Nick, what's going on, man? Yo, what's up? Good to see this, you, man. This man's got a banner in the background with like logos <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, this is new. I uh, just set this up. I did <clears throat> I did a course for 3DMJ recently, and I'm, I got to get a better background. So uh, I've always had this in my gym area, in my basement, but uh, I figured I might as well make it look nice behind me. But it's crooked, so I got to make I got to prop my change my thing here real quick. How you guys doing? You need a level, bro. You need a, you know, like let's get some dad advice in here. Just get yourself a little bubble level. It's, it's very easy. That well, uh, uh, right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I feel vastly underprepared. You can see a hole in my drywall. I'm gonna tilt that shit over here now. <laughs> Jared, man, back from the dead. Oh my gosh. Pretty well. Just call me Lazarus. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, hell of a hell of a year. Grateful to be in a better place. And uh, as, as shitty as circumstances were, thankfully, a lot of good came from it. And uh, yeah, we're rolling, man. So it's wild. It's funny. Like, uh, I think we've, we've gone back and forth with a few messages, like throughout the process a little bit. And it's amazing how like I just I feel like uh, like it's my own brother or something going through it, even though we only know each other virtually. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's weird how you get connections. And then when something happens like that, you feel it, you know, like uh, it's, it's I don't know. But I'm so happy to see you uh, doing well, man. Thank you, dude. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I feel the same way both about you. Uh, I met this bearded gentleman, uh, John, for the first time in October, not of last year, but of 22 and uh we've known each other for what six years prior to that john oh no i think it's longer than that isn't it you could be right i can't remember I think it's longer it's than that i think it's closer to 10 years at this point through clinical athlete and everything yeah i guess that's true um but yeah we met up at a uh, it was like a kelsey's like a roadhouse kind of thing for dinner before we ran the in-person seminar and it felt very natural even though all the interaction before that had been through a screen so the relationships can be powerful and uh yeah man i appreciate appreciate the support through uh through everything that's gone on yeah man definitely so i have a burning question to start all the things off nick you ready for this ready top boy band ever in sync see see both i don't even think i don't even think i thought it was like a reflex like it hit, hit the patellar tendon like I, it didn't even go to my brain it just was all in the brain like all in the spinal cord <laughs> now i feel like a chump because we, john and i were talking about this last week and this was a a heated debate not heated it was a passionate debate uh that i had in the hospital with one of my uh nursing staff i was team in sync and then she brought me over to the backstreet boys side and now i feel like i just i don't know I got suckered. I mean, we could totally talk about it while we're recording. If you want to go down that road, I have plenty of, of uh, you know, it'll be a peaceful debate. Uh, but uh, I, have, I have plenty of objective data as to why NSYNC is clearly the better boy band. We got to do this. I need the objective data. This is brilliant. Like this, Nick, Nikki for last week was like immediate NSYNC. <laughs> we have a second Nick that is also voting that. And of the three of us, he's the only one that's handsome enough that could possibly be in a boy band. So that, that should give like extra credit to the vote in general. I want to so. see the the data on the relationship between people with Nick in their name and preference for sync, which also begins with an N. Correlation, not causation, but I want to see that that data crunching. We got so, it. 
confounding factors to JT. Okay. <laughs> it's true. So I did a, I did a dance to pop in my talent show in sixth grade. And when I say epic, I mean, this was, this was not like sixth grader. We had a choreographer. We were, it was the real deal. And ever since then, I mean, I mean, prime Justin Timberlake, like, it's just, to me, they're better looking. They, they sing better. They dance better. And yeah, they had their time in the sun and then they stopped. But I'll give Backstreet Boys that. They have staying power. But at the same time, man, like, it, it's going to be me. I can't, I, I don't shut that song off if it's on. It's going to listen to it to the end. And then every May it comes back around. <laughs> every year. It keeps on giving. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rebuild Stronger podcast, where we talk about all things powerlifting, strength, sport, business, and life. Hope you enjoy. Jared and I decided to bring a guest on for the first time on our show. And we decided we were we're debating. Well, we want to bring a friend on. We want to bring someone. Who are you going to bring? And Jared's like, well, I want Nick. And I was like, fuck, that was my vote. <laughs> so now that, you know, we've decided we're to we're going to bring my friend Nick on. And I, I say that very, very nicely, Jared, simply mm. because you can't be friends with Americans. And we're only loose acquaintances because I don't want you on any Canadian watch lists. So, you know, I'm trying to look out for you and your family. So oh. Oh, thanks, Nick, eh? introduce yourself a little bit, man. Tell Tell the people about yourself first. And then we'll get into what we're talking about today. Absolutely. So my name is Nick Licamelli. Um, I'm an NSYNC fan. And um, no, I, uh, I'm a physical therapist here in uh, New Jersey in the United States. I uh, am uh, an owner of an outpatient um, physical therapy uh, clinic that I just got that, I guess, promotion last year. So now I am uh, an owner of the practice, which is awesome. Um I also work with 3DMJ, as you could see behind me, um, 3D Muscle Journey. A lot of you probably know if you're listening to this, <clears throat> um, big names in the natural bodybuilding, powerlifting space, highly respected, just put out tons of content just consistently for years and years and years. I was a huge fan before I ever joined the team as one of the uh, one of the members. So I've been working with them for two or three years now. Um, as their injury reduction and management specialist. So I work with their athletes who may have aches and pains. Uh, and I also see private athletes online virtually, um, which has been a dream uh, job uh, to say the least. I am the father to two adorable uh, girls. Now my oldest is four, my youngest is two. Uh, and yeah, man, um, a clinical athlete has been there for me right as I went through my renaissance of bodybuilding and I started getting out of the muscle magazines and the bro science and uh, the post-workout window and, and just being a very obsessive, um, uh, restricted uh, bodybuilder. Once I started seeing another way, uh, 3DMJ was there and had kind of led me through from afar. And that's what clinical athlete did for me. Um, but like many of us, I think we leave school and we have this idea of how we're going to cure the world uh, with our hands. And uh, and we're taught things in, in school that 
we realized maybe aren't quite as accurate or maybe a little bit outdated. And um, uh, clinical athlete was there to pick me up and give me a big old hug and 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 accept me into the into the crew. So um, yeah, clinical athlete has done. Uh, I can't even I can't begin to say how much that it's done for me uh, over the years and becoming the person uh, I am today. And not only the physical therapist because as you go through that process of changing uh, your perspective and, and he, being open to other ideas, it, it, that just becomes who you are in any interaction. Um, so I think the principles of clinical athlete 3DMJ, uh, they transcend everything and it kind of makes us all better people, uh, whether it's powerlifting or bodybuilding or weightlifting or CrossFit or anything. Um, having that, that mindset, that sense of camaraderie, I think that really is something special that kind of is more than just lifting heavy things and, and putting them back down. So I know that I'm, I'm, I'm very similar to a lot of people listening to this and, and you guys as well. So yeah, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much me. I uh, appreciate that last bit, Nick, a lot. You know, we, you mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're in Jared's friendship, you know, our friendship. I've never met you in life in real life. Um, but we've had so many discussions and clinical athletes specifically has been a beacon for that. Like I can name so many people, Natasha Barnes being one who I've become close with. I've never met Natasha. Uh, I've, we've had so many discussions, though. We could probably hang out at any point in time. And the connection of finding not just like-minded people, but good people uh, has been a, an absolute game changer because that's, that's momentum right there. Like that's how you create an actual shift in cultures and societies and mindsets because – if it's if it's an engine of people working together, but they're also good people, it's it really changes the landscape. You know, that, that's one of the things that uh, in my office that I, I think about often. And we had our um, holiday party at the end of December, and I found myself looking around the room and just saying, like, how how did I get so lucky to have so many great people that work for me here? And someone said, uh you know, you bring that out in, in people. And, and that's why this, this office is how it is. And I didn't, I don't know if that's true. Um, I don't know if I'm just being too humble, but I truly don't feel like that. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of luck or maybe I just attract certain people, but um, with clinical athlete, I feel like, uh, and I'd be curious to, to think, to hear what you guys think, uh, whether you think. I think you're full of shit. <laughs> Whether... I think you're full of shit. That's a hundred percent why those people gravitate towards you. The rest is just humility, and that's great. And and it's what a lot of a lot of us do. But dude, that is a hundred percent one of your superpowers. Like that, well, is... I really appreciate yeah. that, especially coming from someone like you who's done the same. Um, but I wonder if um, if clinical athlete attracts certain people that are looking for that alternative or looking for that next step in their career. Or if people that just stumble on it, it, they get changed because they're like, oh, this is the community that we're in. We're not bickering. We're not talking about uh, uh, my technique versus your technique. This is a different community. So maybe the people that can't uh, become that, maybe they just leave or maybe it changes people to to uh, kind of get those principles ingrained. I'm not really sure. I'm curious though, what you guys think. Do you think that we create, we, we change that in people? Or do you think we attract those people or is it a little bit of both? I mean, Jared's going to be the more empathetic one here, but like I just to, to gloss the surface of this, I think it's growth mindset oriented people. When you, people who are ready for that, 
specifically, you know, and I've seen people leave and come back when they're ready for growth. But fundamentally, like if, if you're in a growth mindset, I know that's like a real kind of buzzwordy type thing. And they, you know, some people get a little lost in their feelings with it, but it's true. Like if you can, if you can put your stuff out there, I remember, uh, you know, the reason Jake Manley and I are such good friends is because he asked about body tempering in the old clinical athlete forum. And like, just, he was open to it. He got, he got crushed. Like we, 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 we bonded over that experience. Uh, you know, old, old school, Derek miles and Michael Ray days where it was like, uh, you're about to get hit with like 46 papers, bro. Um, but he took it and he's like, okay, I'm going to learn from that. He didn't take it and just like run away. And I think that's, that fundamentally is the foundation, but Jared, what do you think? I think it's both of, what you, both of the things you mentioned, Nick. One, it's going to be people who are looking for an alternative. Uh, I found clinical athlete at the same time in my clinical career, as it sounds like you did, you know, coming out of school, uh, starting to go through my, my bit of an existential crisis, uh, nihilistic phase, what's true, because my whole reality got shifted as I started to find out more of the things that I thought were true or were going to happen, maybe weren't exactly as close to reality as I thought. Um, so people who are in search of something better, even without having a clear idea of what that is, I do think those are more likely to be the people who a are in line with growth mindset, like John said, and then come across communities like clinical athlete or similar resources. And I also do think that people who stumble onto a community like this, they start to pick up on cues of everyone else there, whether they're in, I mean, especially people in any sort of leadership position, but also I mean, you guys tell me if you relate, I don't know, when I've been in different communities, whether it's a gym, whether it's uh, some sort of group at school, you see what the leadership does, but you see what everyone else does too. And you start to take your cues from them. So when it comes to everybody largely trying to get better, trying to challenge biases and learn and um, maybe taking their turns being crushed by Derek Miles and Michael Ray with the science stick in the old school forum days. And I respect both those guys a whole hell of a lot. Um, I do think that we, you know, pick our cues from those people and the ones who can't jive, they probably just leave and maybe come back or maybe don't. So, yeah, I think you, you pegged them both, man. I think, you know, Jared, something you just said, uh, you used the word timing. It was perfect timing for you. And man, that is so true because, so let's think of like 3DMJ. So you get a an 18 19 year old guy who's getting into bodybuilding reads flex magazine watches old ronnie coleman videos on youtube and then he stumbles across a video with eric helms on 3dmj talking about length and partials that that person is not going to watch the video with eric helms and definitely not going to dive into who 3dmj is they're going to be like that guy doesn't know what he's talking about i'm going to go follow this guy who's uh, you know who's uh i don't know taking a bunch of drugs or, or whatnot um so that individual is just not ready uh, to make that change. Same thing with the clinician. Uh, some young clinicians that I see, I mean, often um, they're coming out of school or in residency programs, and they just have all of these tools, these manual therapy techniques, and uh, and they're just so confident. And it's almost like they're just not ready yet. Like they, they haven't been like, um, I don't know, they haven't had that existential crisis yet. Um, I think some people don't ever reach that. Maybe some people are never ready and they're just kind of doing their thing. 
Um, but I know for me, timing was essential with 3DMJ and the uh, clinical athlete. Um, Cause if it falls on uh, unfertile soil, it's, it's not going to flourish. But I think if it's at the right time with that right growth minded person, man, like then you get this community that we're talking about. And John, you mentioned Jacob uh, from that relationship that you formed. I had reached out to Jacob a few years ago about a patient that I had who was a rockette and she was a dancer. And I'm like, Jacob, tell me like, what am I supposed to do? All I know is like, you know, is she, should she deadlift? Should she squat? Like, tell me what I should, what don't I know about this population that, you know, these, these, uh, performing athletes that are going through, uh, the, you know, the, the, the ringer in their training, uh, eight hours a day dancing, uh, like, what am I supposed to do for her with a fracture in her foot? who also uh, isn't having her cycle and is losing her hair. Like, <laughs> help me out here. <laughs> so that connection that you made, John, there, and you, you never even knew that, that I had reached out to him. So it's there's so many things that we don't even know uh, and connections that we don't even know in ways that we're making the profession better uh, through this community, which is really, really awesome. God bless that Bam Bam Bigelow looking motherfucker. I'll tell you what, that, like uh, the most unlikely pairing when he was like, dude, I the performance arts are just my thing. And I was like, I just helped you at a strongman show. <laughs> You're wearing a strong and pretty shirt. Like, all right, this is this is great. Um, honestly, I don't I don't know if there's a better transition into what we want to talk about today. Because what we're gonna talk about is the state of coaching, physical therapy, and everything as we kind of enter 2024. And we're talking about like our roots here, but guys. On God, we're old now. Okay. I got to slide that in there for the Gen well Z may listen, you know, no cap. No Just cap. Do the thing. For real, for but, real. <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, we're old now, though. And like we've, we've witnessed a lot of change. And in 2023, like, you know, Nick, I'm still thinking of our, our episode on Iron Culture where we're talking about GOTA. There's been a lot of moving, moving and shaking in 2023. We talked about charlatans and in, in, with Gota. We've we've seen the Liver King uh, rise, fall, and apparently now rise again. Um, we, we just saw Mark Bell's podcast get shut down, the Power Project, which I think is an absolute travesty. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff happening right now, and I think now that we're old. And I also just realized we're the three musketeers of guy dads or girl dads. I, yeah, we are. I, I didn't even, this just dawned on me the early in the show. Um, just girl dads unite right here. Uh, I want to, I want to touch on that topic specifically because like Jared and I work primarily with powerlifters. You work primarily with bodybuilders. And even though the sports, you would look at them from the outside looking in and be like, okay, yeah, they're gym related, but they're still very different. But we're seeing some pretty similar stuff. So, like, Nick, just looking at, at your industry right now, especially now that you're owning a physical, physical therapy clinic, what are you seeing as the good, bad, and the ugly as we enter 2024? Yeah. Uh, with, with the increase in information that patients have. So, I guess it, there's two parts to this. The the clinicians and then the patients. So with the patients, there's just so much information out there that more and more people are coming in 
from a wider range of demographic coming in with information about the discs in their back or the alignment of their hips um, or a, a torn a torn rotary cup in their shoulder. Um, I mean, I've had people in their late 70s tell me they saw my a Google review about my clinic and that's why they came to me. So I think the internet is just getting more and more available to people that are a bit older and even a bit younger. Um, those those Facebook groups, man, they, they spread a lot of information. Um, so I think I think when it comes to the patient, it's the same things that we usually see. Um, it's just more people are coming in with these preconceived notions. Um, and I also think that uh, some of the some of the doctors out there and and the physical therapists sort of kind of shift to the clinician. And I never like I never like judging an interaction of a patient and another clinician just from the patient's perspective. Because Lord knows when they leave me, I'm sure they say some wacky stuff. And I'm like, that's that isn't were you in the same conversation? Because that's not what I said. <laughs> So take that with a grain of salt, but I, you just keep hearing things like I got bone on bone. I got the knees of an 80 year old. Um, uh, I got an MRI and at least it's not a herniated disc. So I, and now I know I'm not going to do any damage. Just these kind of things that are just still out there and not moving. Like they're just not getting better. Um, I uh, have a new graduate who works with me now. Um, and I also just had a PT student. So I kind of have a little bit of, each phase of, of making a, a physical therapist, so to speak. And both are awesome. Both are really open to different ideas. Um, uh, more so the student, I think, because um, uh, he, he respected me from the get-go. Um, he kind of knew my background, um, knew that I was uh, into bodybuilding, knew that I uh, was um, had this kind of online presence, if you want to call it that. But he kind of respected me. He knew that I knew what I was talking about, or at least I was confident in what I was saying. And it made sense, the things that I was saying. Because a lot of times with, when you bring information to someone like a student, um, for example, uh, let's say a soft tissue mobilization or assessing the soft tissue of someone, uh, I'll say, yeah, like this is probably a good thing to do just to see if the area is painful and sensitive, but we're not diagnosing anything just by touching them. We're just trying to feel, give some reassurance, put our hands on them. And then we're going to kind of use that to move forward in building rapport. Uh, and then he would say something like, yeah, in my labs in school, like the teachers would always say, so you feel that what I'm talking about. Right. And he's like, no, but they would, he would just say yes. <laughs> so it's things like that where, as I was explaining certain things to him, not speaking in absolutes or saying like, this is the way it is, or this is always the way it is, or anyone that told you differently is, doesn't know what they're talking about, but just offering gently another perspective. It always just seemed to make sense. Um, also being open to other ideas. I think that was something that he really got from me as well. Um, and how to interact with patients too, that maybe say things that aren't quite as accurate. Um, always hear them out, repeat back what they say, make sure they hear, hear uh, feel heard, and then kind of slip in some of those, you know, the more, I guess, more up-to-date or accurate uh, descriptions. So anyway, to answer the question, I think um, patients are coming in with the same narratives, but just more patients are having these, uh, the access to the information. 
and the uh, newer PTs, um, I think, are a bit more confident than I was coming out of school, um, which is a good thing, because I think the first thing that a new graduate should do is just feel comfortable with anything that walks in that door. That's first and foremost, at least if they have some plan that's not going to make the person worse. Uh, uh, that's number one. So I would, I kind of let the newer uh, PTs kind of find themselves a little bit before I go in and, and give them all these links to clinical athlete podcasts and, and forums and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think, I think um, we need to just let, the let let that process happen a little bit and then kind of like we were saying before let that time come and if we can make that time come a bit sooner in a gentle way i think that's probably the best that we can do um in the profession and and as far as the uh, bodybuilding population goes um i actually see a, a positive i see a good change in the information that people are coming to me with now it could be that most people that i work with follow 3dmj so that's a really skewed sample size uh but i have a lot more people coming to me saying that um i saw this video by jeff nippard uh nick what do you think about this or i saw this episode of stronger by science or i saw this episode of iron culture uh what do you think about this and that's i mean we are 10 steps ahead of where i was when i was a new lifter so i actually see a a, a good um a good change in, in the lifting community with the people that I work with. Now, I, the problem is I think I'm in a bit of a bubble with the people that I'm seeing. Uh, I think that's probably the minority and I'm just not getting those other people in my in my kind of space. Uh, but with the people that I work with in the natural bodybuilding community anyway, um, I think it's getting much, much better. And uh, so, yeah, I think, um, but it's, it's tough to branch out of that natural bodybuilding bubble because kind of like I said before, Eric Helms doesn't look like Ronnie Coleman. <laughs> uh, so it's tough. It's tough to kind of um, uh, to come across as someone that they should listen to uh, in that the more uh, not un un unnatural uh, uh, world, so to speak. But um, yeah, that's kind of my initial take on it. I love it. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the pathway from the old school Ronnie Coleman videos where he's, was he spotting seven, 750, 800 for a double and, yeah, buddy, iconic. But I think about my own pathway because I never competed in natural bodybuilding, but come like 2012, that was really where my focus shifted and stayed there for a good chunk of time. And I went from like the Ronnie videos to like Animal and Evan Chantapani and like all these guys there. And then it was it was a gradual meandering path. And I saw some Eric Helms. Uh, I saw some Alberto Nunez. I saw some of these guys and it it was a gradual thing. Uh, so I think you're you're spot on there. And a couple of things that came up as you were talking about the the clinical side. One, I agree. I, I feel and I see a shift, especially with newer clinicians and students, which seems encouraging as far as more focus or valuing of some of the communication skills, your soft skills, these things that are necessary when you're working with people. Um, you know not terribly far removed, but still different. Uh, I've had a lot of interactions with, with doctors and uh, medical staff that way over the last year. And you start to notice a trend where on average, and it still varies depending on the person, but 
the younger younger doctors or professionals tend to have a better bedside manner. They tend to be a bit more up to date as far as some of the uh, the intersecting factors that might influence pain or might influence someone's health and well-being. And it's not just like all these test results and it's just like the objective data that matters, but also let's talk about, okay, what do you think about this? I'll give you my professional opinion. We'll decide on things together, which is really encouraging, you know? Um, and I think it's the same thing in our clinical field as PTs as, or when it comes to the students, I've also noticed it's, I've been a, a bit removed from my clinical placements when I ran them for students too, but I do seem to notice more of a, uh, an openness to some of these newer ideas where it's a little less about the straight up pivots and pavums. And can you feel exactly what I'm talking about with the soft tissue or the joint assessment? And it's more about, all right, can we produce pain? Do we get a good history? You know, can we figure out a good clinical diagnosis and differentiate and go from there? Um, and then broadly speaking between clinic or clinical world and coaching world and powerlifting, bodybuilding, man, for all of our, uh, oh, sorry, no, I fully agree. The access to all the extra information, um, broadly speaking is it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, there's more good stuff getting out there. On the other hand, you got to work through all the stuff that may not be super accurate, especially the stuff that's mainstream. What I was going to say before was for all of our super fancy technological advancements over the last few years, especially with uh, digital care being or digital services being much more common, I'm still floored by how low the bar is sometimes, especially in the coaching world, even when it comes to just consistency of communication. Like John and I, we, we harp on this a lot, but it happened recently in the last two weeks, I was talking to a lifter. She was working with a coach, an in-person coach, mind you, and communication just wasn't there. She didn't get her program on time. This happened like twice, and she just like wasn't in a great spot. So she was ready for something different. And John and I looked at each other after. We're like, that's our competition. Like, that's still very common. So that just still blows my mind. Going to take a quick break here and ask if you could do me a huge favor and leave a rating on the show. Every little bit helps so that we can get more and more quality information out to lifters just like you to help as many people as we possibly can. So drop a rating. Appreciate you so much. I wouldn't be able to do this stuff without all of you guys. Thanks, and let's keep on going. Well, just to touch on a couple of things here, and then I'll be the old man in the room and get all crotchety. Um, the, the language around patience uh, is really difficult, I think, to change. Um, and I don't know if you caught it, our conversation with Franco a while ago, Nick, where he came out with that paper essentially saying like, Hey guys, you got to stop talking about injury risk mitigation because it's just confusing. Like people don't get it. Injury prevention is literally an accurate statement based off research. And like, there was a lot of pushback from our side of things, right? Like, What are you talking about? I've been spending so much time saying it like this, but you know, when you look at it just down to human communication, it is confusing. And it, there's so much information, so much overwhelming information, and then so much information we're fighting uphill against that it's going to take a large standardized effort to, to really make an impact. Because what you see, right, and what I like in academia, that experience you mentioned where the kid is just like, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. That's guruism. That is confirmation bias for every professor. Oh, yeah. Well, all the students say yes when I say if they can feel it. So, of course, I'm right. And, of course, I'm right every time. And now I teach that. And all the students are saying it. And then they go out to continue education courses and they see the same thing. Now, my concern is the double-edged sword of confidence. And I will paint this picture with my, my powerlifting coaching brush. Because what I'm seeing, kids are coming out way more confident, which I am like, I'm, I'm stoked with. I think it's a great thing. Nick, you're 100% right. If an eval comes in, people used to shake in their boots, man. It's like, what am I going to say? What am I going to ask? I don't know. Just ask them what their dog's name is and how the weather is and get them to sit down. Like, chill out. What are you here for? Like, what's up? What's up? It'll come to you. But the confidence of being able to own those moments is huge. What I'm starting to see now, though, and one of our tasks, like as this continues to evolve, is Nick, you're talking about the right time. We have to make sure we catch them at the right time. Because if we don't catch them at the right time, the confidence and the level of information is now actually creating a really interesting tribal dynamic. So many times, like powerlifting, it was always like you're a West Side guy or you're else, you're other, right? Like that's pretty much what it was. It's like you train normal. Or your West side. Now it's, I mean, I always get labeled as a conjugate guy because I use chains in my own training, you know, I, I, but I don't ascribe specifically to that. But I remember one day I actually did the velocity training. Like I did the, the velocity metrics on my bench to make sure I was in the range that I wanted to be in a dynamic effort day because I lift conjugate myself. And somebody in my DMs was like, what are you a VBT guy now? Hold on, wait, what? Are we in like micro tribes now? What, what's going to be next? Are you a myo reps guy? Are you a, and I've seen people call like, oh, he's a VBT guy. Uh, the debate about usage of RPE. Oh, you're an RPE guy. Hold on. That's just a tool. Like that's just an objective measure based off subjective feel. Like we're able to put a number to it. It's not. You can use it or not. You can use percentages or not. You can use a Swiss bar or not. You can use, there's so many things you could use or not. It's, it doesn't make you ascribed to that particular modality. But what I'm seeing is a lot of coaches ascribe not just to a training method or like structure or framework, but also to like it's micro ideologies. And they're getting really embedded in, in, Details that, in my opinion, don't fucking matter. And that's actually dangerous because we mentioned like growth and how that was, we were able to go through that. I can only imagine if I was young and I thought velocity was like the answer, you know, because it's such a small piece of the game. It's such a small piece of the game. So, Nick, have you seen that in bodybuilding specifically? Like, I, I know there's a big, especially around diet, like, oh, you're a, re a reverse diet guy or, you know, you're a macro guy. Like, there's there's labels there, but has it gotten that far? 100%. Before I answer that, I'm, I'm imagining what your powerlifting paintbrush looks like. So, my my grandfather, my father, my brother, and me, before I went to physical therapy school, 
all worked in a shop. Carpenters making Formica cabinets, uh, uh, Formica countertops, custom cabinets. There was this brush in my father's shop. It was about the size of my head. I don't know what they used it for. It was black. It had black like uh, bristles. And then it was like this old wooden handle that had stains on it from 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 Formica stain and like paint and and. And that's what I'm imagining something like the powerlifting paintbrush to be like. So can you just describe what your powerlifting paintbrush looks like? Am I accurate in, in, in what I'm thinking? I mean, I would say, yeah, I, I, I am one of those guys that don't really ascribe to like a particular tactic. Jared could tell you because um, he sees all my programming like, I, dude, I've I've done small. I've done RP's hypertrophy stuff. I've been coached by conjugate guys. I've been coached by you know, undulating periodization people. I've been lifting for 25 years. It's been since I'm 15. Like if, if it's been put on a bar or it's been tried in a gym, I've probably done it. So, and I, I've, I've learned very specifically, and this has been a big shift in my, in my coaching, in my life, really in the last five years, because I used to ascribe to the whole, like, if it didn't work for you, throw it out. But for me now, it's like, if it's not working for you, it's just not working for you now. Because I tried, I remember, uh, oh man, what was the guy from New Jersey that did uh, West Side for Skinny Bastards? Joe DeFranco. With yoked ass arms. It's between him and uh, Josh Bryant for like baddest ass arms. But uh, Joe DeFranco came out with West Side for Skinny Bastards way back in the day, and I tried it, and I didn't see a whole lot of progress. So I was like, oh, West Side Conjugate is not for me. You know, that stuff doesn't work. Box squats, chains, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and <laughs> then I got in my mid-30s. It, it started working really, really good because I could only do so much, like, straight weight heavy squatting, straight weight heavy deadlifting, you know, benching four or five times a week. Like, I, my body just couldn't handle it. So – I've shifted my thought process to I've collected a lot of data over 20, 25 years of lifting and all of it's applicable to certain individuals in certain points in their career. So why not use those in the right applications at the right times and have all of that information available to you as opposed to just coming down and, and, and getting too finite with stuff? Because there's a wealth of knowledge out there. There's an absolute wealth of knowledge out there. And guess what? Some of it is experiential. You know, you can you can look at, at you know, what Anthony Oliveira is doing right now. Some of the stuff he's doing with his lifters. Very conjugate style stuff. But you can also look at some other coaches out there. Matt and Susie Gary still run a pretty straight linear periodization model. And they are absolutely killing it. But they're applying it to the right people at the right time. And I sat down with Matt Gary years ago and talked about how much he respects Louie and all the things that he brought to the table and how everybody's just kind of confused because they're talking about stuff that doesn't matter. And I was like, that's why we're friends, man. Yeah. Um, I, I love I love this conversation. And what I'm thinking right now is uh, how it's, it's so um, – if you – if you identify, so not only people looking at you and trying to put you in a certain category, but if you identify as a certain something, if you wrap your identity in that something, 
that's a red flag, man. Like that's a red flag. If you can, if someone can say to you in any aspect of your life, if someone can say to you, um, what kind of physical therapist are you? And you could just be like, boom, this is, this is the kind I am. I'm a McKenzie PT. Or you could say, um, hell man, even politics. If you could say, are you a Democrat, Democrat or Republican? Boom. You say one answer. Ooh, like, isn't there a little bit of a spectrum? Like you're just completely 100% in this artificial group of values. Like there's not any depends on the situation or like, tell me more. Like, there's none of that. Even like parenting, like, oh, so you're a positive reinforcement parent. Uh, like sometimes like, yeah, I think, I think so. Or like, oh, like you're a, you're a, you're a cry it out parent. Like let the kid cry. Like, uh, Bro, I don't know. I like can definitively <laughs> say I'm a bluey parent. Okay. I'm a bluey parent. I am banded <laughs> all the way. All right. That is my spirit animal. A hundred percent. Um, so I guess there are exceptions. Sometimes it, it, we have to be, uh, we have to identify as our, our tactic. Um, yeah, man. So I think, um, and then you mentioned diet culture, uh, things like keto or paleo or intermittent fasting. Um, all of these things are tools. And as if we're trying to cut for the stage, put yourself in a deficit in something that's going to be sustainable. If that's, if that's any one of those things, great. If not, don't do it. For me, it's so funny. Like I didn't even realize I was doing like a quote unquote fasting type thing until someone asked me and I'm like, well, I don't eat until I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I guess I do. I do fast, but it's just certain days of the week. Cause that's what works better for me and my work schedule and my duties as a father. Um, I don't like uh, eating at a Tupperware on the run. I've done that in the past. I'd rather just wait and in, uh, focus on the things that I'm doing at work. When I come home, I'm dad and I want to get the kids ready for bed and, and play around the house. I don't feel like sometimes sitting down and having a meal and have them kind of pull at me and ask me to play. So the way my life has been structured, there are certain days of the week I don't eat for most of the day. And then I eat mostly at nighttime when I'm catching up on work or reading emails. I'm sitting there on my plate and it's kind of like me time. And that works best for me. But that doesn't mean that I'm an intermittent fasting bodybuilder. That's just the way that I do it because it fits best for me. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to realize that, like you said, John, all these things are tools. And because a carpenter uses a hammer on Monday doesn't mean he's a hammer carpenter, uh, just like a, a drill on Wednesday, right? Um, so these are things are all tools. And uh, all these specific things that we're talking about, there really is no right or wrong way to do it. These things can all lead us to the same path. It's just what's right and wrong for each person and what works better for that person. Uh, I think sometimes there may be things that are like, mm, let's probably not do that. Uh, let's probably lean more toward this group of tools rather than that group of tools. But no matter what, this is a group of tools. Usually it's on some kind of spectrum. And uh, if it, it's really, really hard to find, I don't know, someone or, or some tool that is just 100%, this is my identity, uh, and you can just say in, in, in one sentence back to someone that asked you. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of gray area there. As long as we have the tools in our toolbox and we know how to use them, when to use them and be flexible with our approach. Um, yeah, man, that, that is really the key 
uh, to longevity in, in anything like in parenting or bodybuilding or powerlifting or physical therapy or anything. Um, you have to be able to use those tools as needed and not wrap your identity in something and also be open to rejecting a tool if we get more evidence on it even if it was great and it felt good. And if all this evidence, if all this evidence comes out that fasting for most of the day and eating at nighttime is like horrible for muscle growth. And then maybe, okay, maybe I shouldn't use that tool. (laughs) Um, But all of these things that have uh, uh, get us to the same point. um, There's a lot of leeway and a lot of uh, ways for us to make it individual to ourselves. God damn it, Nick. You stole all of my analogies, probably in that single like piece. It was about being a hammer guy or like a screwdriver guy, the McKenzie, the PT analogy, the parent. I just need you're gonna make me work for my analogies tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with it. I, I agree, man. And I think about, you know, we come back to our science backgrounds when it comes to principles of exercise physiology. Like we understand the tried and true and everlasting principles of building muscle, we need progressive overload. We have, you know, different energy systems that we're working, these things that remain true. And in the powerlifting, on the powerlifting side, you get these different systems and sometimes dogmas around how to train. You also get uh, some of the same things around like how to cut weight and make a weight class and, and weigh in. I have to imagine it's the same thing when it comes to dieting for shows or like philosophies that way. We mentioned I mean, you tell me if that is true. Uh, And then also we talked about the younger incoming generations of like PTs. When it comes to younger bodybuilders that you're working with now, I know, again, might depend on where they are in their own careers. Are you still seeing a lot of people who have a lot of confidence, again, in like, this is how you diet for a show? Or are you seeing trends of maybe more openness? among some of these younger folks getting into the sport around how they approach their training, their show prep, things like that. Definitely seeing improvements in the way that the the information that people are coming to me with, the openness uh, to different ideas. Very rarely do I have someone that comes to me with the idea that they have to eat tilapia and broccoli six times a day in order to get to the stage. Um, Doesn't it thin the skin though? <laughs> I mean, tilapia, think about it name one tilapia out there that, that has thick skin i've never seen it doesn't uh, exist doesn't exist i mean it just makes sense that 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 would be the case um but yeah i think it, i see a positive trend in that aspect um people are coming in with more knowledge um uh, they're reaching these people like jeff nipper and like um uh, stronger by science uh, because they're they're getting more of a platform and i think mm-hmm. as social media becomes more of a thing and you have someone like Jeff Nippert who's, who can play the game, but also put out good information. We need more of those people. Um, But uh, I think, I think I see a positive trend uh, definitely um, with the bodybuilders coming to me. Um, And uh, yeah, and that's really, really cool to see. Uh, Let's also be clear. It's not an asparagus. It's fish, fish in a rice cake, Fish, another fish, and fish in a rice cake. Remember that? <laughs> that's, a cool, fish. That, that's a classic right there. I mean, and then I, I, I train and I eat my fish again with a rice cake. It's so crazy. The one oh. thing, 
Now, the, the one thing I will say uh, is this kind of analogy I use quite a bit. Um, if uh, think about all of the uh, the different charlatans out there and and people that we hear putting out different kinds of information. I think part of the problem is that in our worlds, whether it's physical therapy or powerlifting or bodybuilding or athletic training, the stakes are, are not high. Uh, versus something like cancer research. If cancer researchers were putting out information like we were in our fields, uh, there'd be people in jail <laughs> because you can't be someone who tries to treat cancer and have a couple million followers and put out information that eating pickles on Tuesday will help reduce your tumor size. You cannot do that because that we're going to have bodies on the ground if we keep if we spread that kind of information. But if we spread information that you have to eat six times a day or you're not going to your metabolism is not going to be quite as fast. No one cares. The stakes aren't that high. But if you view things that you that uh, if you view information that you take in and imagine if this was something like cancer research, would this really hold water like special tests in the clinic? That's the conversation, one of the conversations I have a lot, uh, had a lot with my student because um, he was studying for his boards as he was in clinic with me. So that was kind of like <laughs> a little confusing for him. But I always said, like, look, man, remember this for your test, but let's have a conversation about it and see what you think. So with these special tests, uh, when a patient comes in and he's trying to figure out if it's a supersprenatus uh, uh, tendinopathy versus um uh an infraspinatus or whether it's a labrum or whether it's a, it's like look let's rule out red flags let's see what hurts see what makes it better and we'll just try to load this thing gradually and see what happens and i would say to him like if we had to if you had to go in there with a scalpel and you had to find out what what structure was torn would you go in with a scalpel blindly just by doing this special test and diagnosing a supraspinatus tear of course not. You would need MRIs. You would need x-rays maybe, right? You need all these scans to make sure, okay, if we're going to go in there and see this thing, we got to get some, we have to make sure we that we're, we know what we're doing in there. Um, so again, the stakes aren't quite as high. Something like a surgery, yes, stakes are high. Something like cancer, yes, stakes are high. Um, so I think that's why so many of, of these people in charlatans exist because they're not really doing any harm other than limiting someone's overall growth in the sport or in a space or um, or their just ability to learn and just be a learner uh, for their own self. Um, so I always like to bring that up just because I think that's why so many of these things exist and why we have to work so hard because there's so many other people out there that are that are, are trying to hold us back a little bit almost. Well, I love that you brought this up, especially like the supporting evidence thing, because if there's one thing that I'm really happy about coming into 2024, it's I mean, you've mentioned Jeff uh, a lot of a lot of time to this point and shout out to him. But there's like a list of people that I think are out there doing God's work because for the last decade. Right. Like, yeah, we've been in the comment section of YouTube. We've been in the comment section in Facebook groups. We've been trolling in Instagram pages, but nobody's really prominently stepped up and said, you know what? No, like I'm hold on. We're going to have another and really uh, so with, with real levity, 
people that can really discuss, they can really bring the evidence and be consistent with their own content production. You know, Jeff Nippert is one of them. I'm a huge Zach Tellender fan. I watch everything Zach puts out. I, I have for a long time since, you know, he was still back weightlifting and actively weightlifting and coaching. I've been a fan. Um, but mm-hmm. Alexander Bromley puts out great stuff. I mean, Eric and Omar with Iron Culture and, and that revolution it's, it's created and really opening the floodgates to saying, like, you know what? We, we can call out these charlatans and we can hold them accountable. I mean, you saw that very specifically with Zach and Derek from More Plates, More Dates literally taking the taking the, the the liver king down the quality of production the quality of information the quality of presentation now matches who we're going up against which is super super important it's no longer b league video and b league audiences it's actual contending audiences which brings me to the hot topic right because i've always thought Joe Rogan experience, right? The JRE is is kind of it's the biggest show on the on the platform. It's the biggest show in the world, and it can be all over the place, right? But you could say the same about Mark's show. The Power Project had people from all walks of life when it came to to fitness. But if it wasn't for Mark, and I, I believe this, if it wasn't for Mark Bell, people like Jeff wouldn't exist. People like Zach wouldn't exist. So many of us wouldn't be here within like the YouTube spectrum in general because he created that platform really in our industry, especially in powerlifting. So seeing that show get shut down and really you can you can call it, you know, too much this or too much that or giving the platform to wrong people at times. But it was still like a pace setter for a lot of people. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that impact, especially as we move into 2024, because I think it's a big blow. I think it's actually one of those things because he did expose so many people to different things. He was like the the top of the surface. And then people would start to fall into to find people like Eric and to find people like Greg Knuckles and to find people like Jeff Nippard because they started there because his podcast and his stuff Honestly, Nick, it's a lot like the old Flex magazines from a an audience standpoint, not a content standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's your guy on that? Yeah, I think Mark has an interesting. He's an. It's an interesting situation because you're right. People that follow Mark are probably more of the Flex magazine type, but Mark is going to reference 3DMJ. He's going to reference Jeff Nippert. Um, and SEMA was a 3DMJ athlete, I think, at one time. Uh, they've had the guys on from 3DMJ. So not not just 3DMJ, but in 3DMJ and the like. He he brings people on like that. And like you said, John, he's kind of all over the place with people he brings on. One day they're talking about erections. The other day they're talking about fasting. It's like, all right, like whatever is going to come today. Uh, but I think he is a bridge to to some other resources. I think... I think his podcast can help kind of wave that net and catch those people where it's the right time who are, who are kind of over the flex magazine stuff, but they're still listening to Mark because they like him and they feel like they, they enjoy listening to him and they've listened to him for so long. And then they catch a glimpse of Mike Isretel or they get a glimpse of someone else and they're like, okay, let me see who this is. And then bang, they're in and they're hooked. Um, I made a post a while back. There was one week where um, 
uh, Andy Gal Galpin, I think is Gal uh, Galpin was on Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. Um, Mike Isretel was on Modern Wisdom, and there was an article from Brad Schoenfeld in like Men's Health, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I just, it was like win for team good guys. Like what? That was huge, huge, huge deal for us that those guys were spreading the good word on those kind of platforms. So uh, um, uh, that post that Dr. Mike is going to be on Modern Wisdom again. Uh, and that's just so, so big because we're going to cast that net and hopefully uh, that net's getting bigger and bigger and we can kind of get those people when the time is right. They're looking for that next step. They 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 want more of an evidence-based um, holistic yet entertaining person to follow. And then bang, they follow Dr. Mike. Bang, they got Omar and Eric. Bang, they got all these different people. Um, and I think the more the more that we can hold those people up and help support them in any way possible, whether it's a share on a story with my, my very tiny uh, audience of people that maybe follow me, if maybe, who knows, maybe someone sees it and they could relate to it. So I think it's our job to to really help push those people that are doing the good work and they have that platform because um, that's that's really the future, man. And and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I am I am looking forward to to what's to come in 2024 or 2025 and beyond. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's exciting. It's really cool to see those kind of people get those platforms. Yeah, great channel reference, really quick. I know you got to talk, Jared. Is uh. What Mike, what Dr. Mike is doing right now on celebrity workout reviews. If you guys want entertainment, it's comedy gold. It's it is. So my plug grade A plus on the Renaissance Periodization channel, the select or exercise scientist reacts to series is wonderful. My number one video from Mike is priority muscle groups to train to look jacked in clothes and out of clothes. It's probably his most unhinged and it, the most hilarious and also accurate. It's it's amazing. All of it's great. Um, Nick, yeah, you. I think you made a really important point as far as the difference in stakes when we're talking about what goes on in the PT or clinical world, what goes on in the coaching world, versus you know higher stakes medical fields like cancer research, that sort of thing. And we mentioned people who are doing the Lord's work, win for Team Good Guys. Lane Norton, I'm a big fan of as well. And I I picked Lane out especially because I've just heard him be very vocal about why he, he gets criticized for being so abrasive. And, you know, why is he being so mean to everybody uh, online? And why is he picking fights here and there? And he brings up these points of how this advice, uh, I mean, which not only borders on malpractice, but delves head first into it in a lot of realms. Uh, very much has impacts in terms of people's livelihoods, lives. Uh, they get some crap advice on how to how to eat, and it'll help to, you know, uh, maybe treat their cancer. Supposedly, you know, and you're exactly right. Somebody who's in a regulated medical profession could not make those claims, hopefully without serious ramifications. But there are those claims being made, especially with large platforms on social media, legacy media. It's all over. People do die. People get seriously injured. And that's what fires Lane up. And that's one of the big reasons why I respect him a lot. And also, going back to one of your other points, Nick, he's not afraid to change his stance on things. It's a common trait among all the people that we've mentioned here. Um, if new evidence comes out that, hey, you know what? We thought this. It seems like it's maybe that. 
more so. Cool. He'll say it. He'll put it out there. And that dis are um, being unattached and not dogmatic about things, but just being transparent about this is why I think this, this is the supporting evidence. And if and when things shift, then so will I. Uh, really is a respectable quality for any source of information. Um, and John, your point about the the breadth of audience that a lot of these people are gaining, uh, the recognition they're gaining across platforms is huge. And the quality uh, of that content, I agree, that's a big boon for us in just sprinkling some of these pieces of info maybe they plant a seed as far as um i don't know something different than what that health guru has been saying and maybe someone continues to go down the rabbit hole a little bit maybe that has big ripple effects for them for their family for the their kids kids you know that's the sort of impact that i'm really excited about and uh definitely think we need more of it still well with lane specifically and i'll circle it back to mark too here like yeah lane's abrasive but he's abrasive to be entertaining because let's be honest, good advice is boring as shit. Bad advice is sexy because bad advice is different. It's a, it's something you've not heard before. And I, I love the, I love those researchers that put out a bunch of fake research reports, like, you know, eating all this chocolate's really good for you. And like, you can talk to your dog and like all that other kind of stuff. Um, like all that stuff was brilliant because it just showed like the media picked it up and ran with it. You know, you can get just as much exercise out of five minutes walking on an incline treadmill. Like, no, no, you can't. But it sounds easy and it sounds sexy and you have to compete against that. So, like, I, I think one of the interesting pieces for me, regardless of the topic, right? We, you talked about, you know, Mark talking about penis enlargement and all that other shit, right? You can talk all that, all that stuff. But fundamentally speaking, the core of the show is like, all right, you need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to drink more water. You need to take better care of yourself. You need to have sex like regularly to stay healthy. You need to do these things, guys. Like, like we need to we need to double down on the basics. Whatever your flavor of the basics are, find it. But it's it's it he found a way to take the basics and make people continue to come back to them, which fundamentally to me, and, and Lane does that, and Jeff does it with his just Striking good looks and amazing editing. And like Mike Isertel is just funny as shit. Like Zach Tellender is just super knowledgeable and also a wizard with editing and funny. Like you take all that and it's entertaining and it makes the basics cool again. And that's that's what people have to continue to do and put themselves out there. Because I'll be honest with you, if you're quoting to me an NCBI number, like I, I'm a nerd and I'm still falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a really great episode um, of Iron Culture was Lane and Eric just recently. And they were talking about their different approaches and in getting information out. And Eric um, was saying how he doesn't do the call outs and, uh, and things like that. And, and Lane obviously does. Um, and Eric mentioned that if Joe Rogan had asked him to come on his podcast, he wouldn't know if he would do it because it's kind of like a podcast like that. Yes, they're open to everything, but they're open to everything. <laughs> and so 
that was Eric's point was perhaps I, I wouldn't even want that platform where Elaine was like, if not me, who put me out there? If more people can, can see me, maybe I'll have a better impact on them. And then Lane was explaining like the, my, my, the most views on my channel are the, are the ones that are calling people out. So if Lane starts the video and he's yelling and he's throwing his hands up and there's funny and then, but then at the, the second half of the video, He's talking like this and he's explaining why and the importance of and the dangers of things. And so, yeah, man, I think I think Lane has that reputation of calling people out. But at the same time, he gives good information. And and my kind of my filter with anyone out there. Because sometimes I get caught in the weeds and I start thinking like, man, is this person like, are they really talking about penises right now? Like, but if you take if I take a step back and I say, OK. If someone on in year one of training were to fall on this person, is it a net positive or a net negative? And that's how I, that's my first line of defense now. And someone like Mark, 100% net positive. Because like you said, John, at the end of the day, if you watch Mark's podcast enough, you ask a 20-year-old kid who, who watched his podcast for a year, um, is sleep important? 100% the kid's going to say yes. Uh, is is protein important? Yeah. Is is proper form important? Yeah. Is uh, doing something that's sustainable and enjoyable important? Yeah. Is family important? Yeah. <laughs> All those things are checked. Now, are ice baths important? Are saunas important? Is getting sunlight into your eyeball? Is, then then we start to get more of the nuances. Um, but but I think yes, one hundred percent. One way to, to look at at these public figures is um, rather than pick apart things that they're doing differently or maybe not so evidence based, let's just first and foremost say, okay, are they on team good guys or team bad guys? Like, are they are they going to help overall help someone or hurt someone? Are they gonna are they gonna handcuff people by the uh, with with nuances and not make it and hold the person back? Or are they really having a good message and they throw in some cool stuff that, heck, if you want to try it, try it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that we could all uh, take away if, when we when we see a figure out there is, is is this person going to do good if, if a, someone in their first year stumbles upon them? Um, and that's something that I've changed recently is taking a step back and saying, OK, this person is is out there doing doing good work. Um and, and that's that's a great that you're already better than than ninety percent of the people out there at that point. Agreed. Well, I'm actually sorry. Ahead, I'm just going to say I'm really glad you brought that up, Nick, because <clears throat> same thing. I can get lost in the weeds, and especially with you know the clin clinician hat or coach hat on, you know I I remember the days of going throwing it back to Westside and, and Louis John. Like I'd hear Louis speak, and I was a young cocky kid, and like I, that's wrong, and I think of all the reasons why he was wrong and in my older age i've realized fuck that i know back then but um still that filter of you know is this as a net effect team good guys team bad guys for first someone in year one of training someone you know year one of pt or someone who's having the first experience as a patient in some sort of setting that makes a lot of sense uh, i think that's a really really big golden nugget that you just dropped I have two things to say here really quick. Uh, first off, everybody talks about the NFL and coaching trees. Okay. 
Name me an actual stronger coaching tree in powerlifting than the one that's from Louis Simmons. You got Dave Tate. You got Jim Wendler. Look at all those guys that came out of West Side and have made extraordinary – Matt Winning. Winning, yep. I mean, that that's a coaching tree that – dude, that's, that's Bill Barcells level type shit. So I'm just going to throw that out there really quick. Um, but <laughs> – you're a conjugate guy, John. You're a West Side guy. Okay, guys, whatever. West Side. Um, but I think that that kind of brings me to what I'm the most excited about because you mentioned like Joe Rogan and, and Mark Bell kind of being like that that top of, of the funnel type thing. But Lane's the middle, you know, and Lane becomes the bridge to Eric. And we actually have a true pipeline now for people to get quality information and get to somebody like Eric. Because I, I, I personally agree with Eric. Like, Eric going on JRE or going, like, I don't know. Because I think he's he's going to sit there as one of the most brilliant people I know. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy was kind of boring on the show. Because they're not ready for the bombs he can actually drop. And when they see Lane on Joe Rogan, they, they take Lane and they go, oh, I want to, you know, I want a little bit more. That's where they find Eric and they find Omar and they find that show. And then they find Eric's deep, deep cuts and Eric's deep cuts, bro. Oh, mind numbing. But we have that built now. You know, Jeff Nippard's the middle. We have people that actually bridge the gap now to get to these really, 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 and, and, and really intelligent and influential individuals that wouldn't have gotten that before because. shit that's super exciting so that's what it what fires me up about the most 2024 it's evolved to we actually have the structure in place to really push back yeah let's go team good guys team good guys team good good guys and gals we have we have to make sure we include everyone here absolutely right (laughs) we are hella inclusive Three, three, three girl dads, and none of us were. We all said team good guys only. You dropped the ball a little bit. It's fine. Hey, we all slip up occasionally, man. It, it happens. We can we can clear that up first off by also remembering that NSYNC is the best boy band. Okay, and number two, uh, Nick, what is your favorite your favorite music to lift to? Ooh, um, I actually don't lift to music. I lift to podcasts. So uh, I. Um, I train in my basement and uh, I don't like headphones uh, just when I'm training. So I just put the, uh, the podcast on either. It'll be, um, uh, geez, any of the people that we talked about today, modern wisdom, iron culture, uh, obviously 3 MJ podcast, clinical athlete, E3 rehab, you know, you name it, uh, PT inquest. Um, that's what's on in the background. And, uh, the problem is that, I'll be mid set and someone will drop a bomb of a quote. And I'm like, Oh, I got to finish the set. And then I got to remember and write it down. And I do most of my listening on YouTube and they don't have like the backup 10 seconds or backup. Like you got to like scroll. And then like, you got like 10 minutes back in the conversation, like, God damn it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I listen to podcasts, um, music tastes otherwise. So, so you have some answer to your question, I like it all, man. I grew up with country music. Believe it or not, here in New Jersey, my mom was a big country music fan. So when I was younger, she'd be 
cleaning the house or driving around and and we'd have Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, Brad Paisley, uh, 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 George Strait, um, all on in my house. So I, I I like that. And some of the newer country artists, I like, I mean, I don't know if they're new anymore, but like Zach Brown Band, like all, all those guys I like. Um, but I also like classic rock. Uh, I like the Beatles. So I, I have a wide range. Young, Jerry. My kids are too young? Kids are too young. I'm burning down the Wonka soundtrack right now when I lift. Uh, Moana is steady on rotation. Okay. I think that that and Pocahontas, Color of the Wind, is like by far one of the greatest, most epic songs of all time. Um, so good. Frozen is back at backed off quite a bit. On your rotation? Yeah. They're wow. they're not they're not pushing that right now. But the Mulan soundtrack. The original the original or the- Mulan. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, I haven't the new one. The original. I haven't seen the new one. The original the, was sweet. Wonka, yeah, Wonka's burning it down right now. Oompa Loompa, all day, all day. That and Scrub Scrub. If you haven't watched, dude, sit the girls down and rent Wonka. It's the bomb. I I will say that in uh, my last contest prep, twenty twenty two, my song to pose to pose to was. Um, Panic at the Disco's version of um, Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. So good. Uh, it was awesome uh, because I watched Frozen a thousand times, Frozen two, and uh, when that when the credits came on, you know you, you don't usually watch to the credits when the movie's over. If they make it halfway through the movie, onto something else. But I happened to be in the room. The credits were on, and it was like I was doing something. Then I heard it, and I I just stopped, and I was like, Oh, wait a minute, that would be a great posing song. So uh, I posed to that and um, kind of for my daughters too. Like, so if they watched the video, they would, oh, it's Elsa. Uh, and I, I showed my daughter um, the video uh, from my first show that year. It was in, I was in uh, California. So she obviously didn't come, came home, showed her the video. And uh, her first reaction was, uh, daddy, why are you naked? And I said, okay, we need to stop that right there because I don't need her going around telling people that I'm naked on a stage somewhere. So I said, sweetheart, I have... Dancing to Into the Unknown, by the way. (laughs) Like, that, you got to finish that sentence. Make it really awkward at school. Yeah. So... uh... So I told her, sweetheart, I have, I have like, underwear on. You see, I have, like, the the black underwear on. And then I said, but do you hear the song? And she's like, yeah, it's Elsa. I'm like, okay, like that's so that was that moment. So I want to make sure she knows that I'm not dancing naked on stage to to into the unknown. You but uh, anyway, out, yeah. So I I am down with the Disney soundtracks. Uh, you need to check uh, out the redub, the remix of uh, the entire Greatest Showman album. I was gonna say it because oh, Brady yeah. Neary, Panic at the Disco, crushed yep. that one too. Crushed it too. There's a bunch of songs on there that are absolute fire. That original soundtrack is great too. Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman, like really, really outdid himself on that one well but, Hugh Jackman's in my top five man crushes that could be no, another easy. conversation for another day but he's in my top five for sure Tom Hardy's number one for me bro <laughs> uh don't forget Jason Momoa Jason Momoa is there but Tom Hardy is dreaming everything mm. he's in I love that guy mm. Zach and on that note weak in the knees tell you what all right <laughs> Nick where can people find you man Easiest place to my Instagram at Nick Licamelli. Um, any of my work with 3DMJ would be over at uh, 3DMuscleJourney.com, number three, letter D, MuscleJourney.com. And um, 
yeah, those are the places to find me. I do online um, consulting. So if anyone has any questions or anything like that, uh, I'd be more than happy to help. If anyone's in a New Jersey area, um, come and stop by the office. I've actually had that a time or two. People from online nice. have been in the area and come by. And it's been so cool just to sit down and talk to people and uh, pick each other's brains. So yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm here like just like you guys. I've been down the journey, and and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to what's to come. One last thing: Are you going to CSM this year? Uh, we went to Disney in November, oh. so uh, I'm in, in my mind. I'm like uh, like like the people on the street in like a Charles Dickens novel when they're like begging for bread scraps and trying to get asking like for coins from people. Uh, so I won't be going to CSM, but I'm looking forward to maybe next year going. So I'm not going to go to the conference for obvious reasons, but I will be at a hotel hanging out with all the people that are going. So where, where is it this year? Boston. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's a hop, skip and a jump for me, man. So, I, you know, I think about it. Up. I think about it. You're right. Here I am needing to renew my passport. That's the thing standing in my way. Expedited. <laughs> Expedited. <laughs> All right. We got to roll, fam. Jared, thanks as usual. Always a pleasure. Thanks, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see everybody on the next one. What's up, Rebuilders? Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, leave a rating that helps people like you find the show and reach more people. Appreciate you. See you at the next one.